Hi everyone, it's Martyr here, and I just wanted to have a little update before we get the episode started. Um, we had a few audio issues while we were recording our interview with Rifi, and I didn't want to waste the time or um, have this go to waste, so we thought it would be best just to put the episode out and have this little warning. Um, thank you so much to Rifi for talking with us and um, spending his valuable time with us, um, but I hope you all enjoy. Thank you. Wig, did you just say wig? Wig, okay. Caitlin. Hello. Hello. Hi. How are you doing? I'm great. I'm Steve Tepper, by the way. <laughs> I'm Mart's here, and this is Wig Out. out. Ooh. Ooh. That was loud. Anyways. Oh, sorry. <laughs> As usual. I told you I'm the Michelle Visage of the podcast. Yeah, let's go with that. <laughs> Caitlin, what are we doing tonight? We are talking to Rupi, our second guest. Woo. We actually talked about her. On the first episode, too, I think, and the second episode. You've been a prominent feature on it. And actually a third secret mysterious episode that we will never air. Oh, yeah. Um, (laughs) Why not? (laughs) We'll tell you We'll tell you, like, not during this podcast. Um, But let's get into it. Okay. Introduce our guest formally. Oh, okay. (laughs) Okay, she is a nightlife legend. She works in both Brooklyn and Manhattan. She's really versatile, but she is a bottom. Miss Reefy Royalty. Wow. What <laughs> <laughs> intro. Spilling my tea. I Maybe I wanted to present at the top. Well, that's why Did you're you? versatile. I don't know. <laughs> How are you feeling tonight? I feel like the mystery is all about me topping. That so is a mystery. I think I think the the demand is for tops. So people will keep booking me if they think that I'm a top. That's okay. true. Well, so. Or She's a top tonight, I'm topping, always. I'm on top of my game. She's on top of her game. That's true. Oh my gosh. With four easy payments. <laughs> Klarna. Um, not sponsored, but well, we're not. Well, we're not. <laughs> but I am. <laughs> Let's get into this, Caitlin. Okay, so you are a drag nightlife legend. How did you get your start in the New York drag scene? Chipotle. Chipotle. <laughs> Um, you sponsored you too. I'm a uh, with four easy scoops of guacamole. <laughs> you, can, you can eat like a queen. Um, I started go-go dancing first. I used to work at a, a beauty store. Which and, beauty store? Um, the Body Shop. Oh. And I was the Manhattan uh, makeup like educator. I forget the name of my title, but I was like the. The one who traveled to different stores and taught girls how to put on makeup and like apply makeup. Now this was for cis girls, so oh, okay. that I know how to do. But oh. but you know my drag makeup came later. Mm-hmm. And that store, my location was going out of business, and I needed another job. And I met this DJ who was like, "Oh, you should come go go dance at the Cox." I started go go dancing. I had already been doing drag before that, actually, mm-hmm. but I had taken a huge break from it um, because of life and mm-hmm. and cis cis gay male um activity bullshit (laughs) but you know i started doing drag to go to suzanne parties and i would walk in halloween parade and the pride parade a couple of times and 
I even went on a few auditions in drag and did short films in drag and mm -hmm. off-Broadway stuff in drag. Um, worked a convention center, the Gay and Lesbian um, Travel Expo, mm -hmm. or the LGBT Travel Expo, which was at Jacob Javits. So I was in drag at the Jacob Javits years before drag was cool at the Jacob Javits. Ooh. Oh. Um, <laughs> this was like, we're talking about like eight years ago, maybe I did that gig. Um, so I'd been doing drag for a while, mm -hmm. but then I took a huge break and started go-go dancing. And I think a lot of people got introduced to me as a go-go dancer. When did you start go-go? Which is fine. That was the narrative that I, <laughs> that I painted myself. Mm -hmm. So that's fine. Um, when did I start go-go dancing? Mm -hmm. Uh, like five, six, no, way more than five, six years ago, seven years okay. ago. Six, 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 okay. Yeah. I actually, um, little antecedent. Um, I actually saw a picture of you at work for um, a Felix Gonzalez Torres um, uh -huh. exhibition. I was mm -hmm. like, I know her. I was doing the archive stuff, and um, one of your pictures popped up um, for the Instagram archive. And I was like, ooh, fancy. <laughs> yeah, that was a fun gig. Cute. Yeah. Um, you know, I wasn't familiar with their work prior to being asked for the gig, but I did my research, and I, you know, their work is really important. Mm -hmm. um, what do you remember? What um, gallery that was in? It was uh, one of the like Chelsea galleries, I believe. It mm. was on twenty twenty eighth, maybe in the High Line, somewhere near there. I forget okay. the name of the actual gallery. Something with a Z, maybe. Oh, maybe David's Warner. David's Warner Gallery. Mm -hmm. That's what it was. Yep, yep, yep. yep. Yeah. Um, and that was a really fun, uh, unique gig. Mm -hmm. But I get a lot of those random kind of mm. outside of bar setting. Gigs. Yeah. So you talked a bit, a little bit about your go-go dancing past, but I feel like you still bring burlesque a lot into your drag. And I don't think there's many like assigned male at birth drag performers, at least in New York, who do that. What, how, like, how did you merge the two? Because I think it's something very unique to you outside of like maybe switch and play performers. Yeah. Well, no, there's Monroe Lily and like Vixen mm -hmm. um, and Matt Knife and a lot of people who play with drag. But I guess, you know, a segue for me from go-go dancing to drag was being booked in a lineup as a performer who the audience was to perceive more male presenting. Um, you know, like Bob the Drag Queen booked me for the very first and second look queen at monster and it was a full drag lineup the first one i go get into the second one i think i i did boylesque and although i wore heels and there was some like femme elements you know the i the audience perceived me as the boy in the lineup mm -hmm. um and so that was what my way to stand out because all the girls were going to be kind of doing lip syncing and drag and they're all going to be padded and tucked and contoured and all mm -hmm. of that and i knew that i would kind of stand out and she's all about standing out <laughs> yeah. um so burlesque was a way for me to like distinguish myself from other performers it was a way to show body and sex positivity and you know for me to get laid at the end of the night to be honest <laughs> <laughs> because you know i was a horny mid-20 something and mm -hmm. i was like oh I passed, you know and i you know sometimes would go home with people in the audience if they, if they were into it I don't know. if they tipped you high enough no, if they just, you know, if they were hot, whatever, I might have, I might have even hooked up with people during the gigs, um, which is not, which is not unlikely for me. 
<laughs> we love that. But consent is sexy. Of course. So you talk a little bit about it. Like I think you're one of the in Brooklyn there's a lot of like performers who kinda are androgynous, I feel like, with their drag, and I feel like you are too. Mm-hmm. But that's something that's not really celebrated or shown at all with RuPaul's drag race. Why do you think it's like important to have that style of drag? Um I don't know that I make like a conscious effort to I just do the drag that I feel feels organic and authentic for me. You know, and so when people ask me why I don't pad or wear tits or any of that, it's because it's just like it just doesn't feel organic for me. Yeah. You know, we all make our choices, you know, whether it's a small thing to use your natural eyebrows when you paint or to never wear lace fronts or to only wear lace fronts or whatever it is. You know, like Lady Bunny, for instance, like ninety five percent of the time just wears blonde blonde hair um so these are just like small choices that we make that feel you know best represent us and for me gender has never been my main focus of drag it is always about taking those things that i find really beautiful and feminine you know if i find a beautiful pair of shoes you know if i see them in the window or if i see them online i'm not associating those shoes with people assigned female at birth Mm -hmm. i'm assuming i'm just associating those shoes with like if they're in my size can i perform in them they're fierce as fuck so everything i do has nothing to really do about gender and more about the things that i was kind of raised around Mm -hmm. um so sure they might you know long nails long hair might culturally belong to women but not inherently belong to women if that makes sense yeah i see that so i just you know, wear the things that I want to wear because I feel like they're fierce for me as a queen, but not because, you know, mm-hmm. because that's how a woman would do it. Because that's also problematic to imply that women should be mm-hmm. curvy or big breasted or feminine or pretty or smooth or like, you know, uh, yeah. clean shaven or whatever. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. No, I've always admired that of you and um, just sort of doing your own kind of androgyny. No yeah, and I don't know that it's like, you know, it, more in recent, it's it's been definitely more drag, it's more mm. feminine, mm-hmm. but it's still in the context of what I feel femininity is, which is, you know, using my own body, and mm. that's my canvas, mm-hmm. and that's that, and I'm not saying that people, all people should do that, just do what feels right for you, if you want to be curvy in, in your gowns, then be curvy, and do what feels best for you, I guess, yeah. I'm not a guru on drag, honey, I'm just, <laughs> so... <laughs> Well, we definitely want to hear more about all your style choices. Mm. I think we'll take a little break and find out in four easy payments. Just, just wanna... <laughs> if you're the top and have a parliament, see me outside. <laughs> <laughs> on a good day <laughs> um so miss Ricky, you recently won a glam award for best fashion sense best style best, style. best, style. best <laughs> dressed best dressed best truvada receiver yes <laughs> we best stand truvada recipient of the year we stand truvada get on prep kids um we were just wondering if you could talk about your style influences and how maybe you construct a look and any of your favorite looks 
My favorite looks, um, I have a lot. Okay, list them. I have a storage unit full of drag. Cute. Um, Any designer names? I have all the Brooklyn designers you can think of. I've got Casey Caldwell, Vicala, Diego Montoya, Claire Fleury, Jamil Moreno, um, High Waisted Studio... I've got everybody She's in my closet. Everybody. Some shit that I've I've even made, like, you know, put together my goddamn self. Hey. Got some Vincent Tiley. <laughs> all the BK girls. I don't know if I've left anyone out, but if I did, I love you. And I hope that I paid you. <laughs> <laughs> Only hope so. <laughs> yeah. What do you think makes for, like, a good outfit? Because there's a lot of, like, terrible drag out there. Yeah, I think what <laughs> people, I think what people <laughs> aren't doing... The thing is... You know, when people ask me about clothing or about fashion, and you know, for someone who is known a lot for their looks, I barely ever get invited to like fashion week parties or anything like that. But I think mm. that has more to do with like being an opportunist or something or like, mm-hmm. you know, not being in the right place. Yeah. I don't know. Whatever. No, no. Not the clicks. Um, yeah, I'm not super clicky with the fashion crew, but it's fine. Um, I think, you know, a lot of queens don't really um, reference magazines or or cinema. You know, a lot of people steal their inspirations from other drag queens, mm. and it becomes this mm-hmm. system of recycled looks. You know, mm-hmm. the Marcel hair, the, the nail gloves, the stoned mm. hosiery, the, you know, pointy stiletto nail. Which is, these are all great things. I, I have all of those things, but I also know when it's time to give them a rest mm-hmm. and when it's time to let your individuality, you know, shine through, which is one of the things that I really liked about Evie Alpha is that she was kind of not not trendy. Yeah. You know. I think, she, like, had her own style. Yeah, I think sometimes people think it's if you're not current, it's it's a bad thing, but I think it's the opposite. I think it's mm-hmm. it's good to just kind of be yourself and... and People will know you more for those things. Um, so I would say, yeah, if you're if you're trying to become a fashion person or, or not a fashion person, but if you're trying to like elevate your job. elevate your looks or just do something that hasn't been done before, then maybe don't steal looks from Instagram that you've seen other queens do and be like, I'm gonna do this look, but in a different color. Like mm. just just look at fashion magazines, look at runway shows, and you know look at the designer that you're commissioning, which is also super important. If I think a specific designer is really good at a particular thing, I'm going to hire them for a particular thing that I may want that I think they can deliver. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like yeah. if I, yeah. If you, I if I want a beautiful, ornate, heavily beaded gown, I'm going to go to Diego because mm-hmm. I know that he can deliver that. And I think it's important for people to acknowledge that not every designer is, is going to deliver your product the way you want it to be because it may not be something that's in their repertoire or, mm-hmm. or experience level or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, there was another point that I wanted to make, but I don't remember it now. Stop that. I feel like you're not afraid to like play with like color and silhouette. Yeah, I, I feel like being fearless is important. Yeah, I think just, just be yourself. Don't be basic. You know... Uh, step outside of of that normal thing that you that you screenshot from a queen who wore it at DragCon or something. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Yeah, I try to make all my looks very different and over the top, but some of them can be kind of sleek and sophisticated and, you know, I may not even wear a wig at all, or if I do, it's probably just a shake and go, but you've got to make it work. <laughs> um, so I feel like you're one of the few queens that really has crossed over from Brooklyn to Manhattan, mm -hmm. and you're able to do clubs at both locations, get tips at both locations. Mm -hmm. How have How has working at both these places like varied and how are they the same well i should add that i just came back from working a gig in portland pride that is portland oregon oh. <laughs> um i just recently worked miami pride i was booked solid for los angeles drag con um i have performed at the life ball in vienna um i performed in milan berlin london um and new jersey <laughs> it's my favorite so, country. She's a New very Jersey. international <laughs> queen. Mm -hmm. Um I don't know. I don't know that there's like a big I mean there is a slight difference between Brooklyn Drag and Manhattan Drag. Brooklyn Drag, we don't need all the mixes. You know, we can just do one solid song that we're really passionate about and the audience will buy it. But that has more to do with the audience and the queens. You know, if you do a song like that in Manhattan, the crowd there is going to be mostly touristy and, you know, only familiar with drag in the context of drag race. So they're not really entertained past two minutes unless yeah. you do a mix chopped up that has no more wire hangers in it. And, <laughs> You're right. <laughs> um, uh, you know, that might have a scene from Precious or I'm So Excited mm -hmm. or Mean Girls or, you know, Shall We Go On With All The, the Cliché mm -hmm. Mixes. Yeah. Um, whereas we don't really need that in Brooklyn. You kind of just do your song. If you really love it, then great. I, I understand sometimes from an audience perspective, if a queen is doing a, a song that's four minutes long, you know, a Lana song that's like five minutes long and it's not that exciting, you have to find a way to make it work. Mm -hmm. Whether you're taking off your clothes or you, you just sell it in a way that's not boring. Mm -hmm. Um, so I don't know. I think that if you're just a good entertainer, you can really be anywhere, you know. Mm -hmm. And one of the main skills I think that every queen should learn is how to communicate with your room, you know, via the microphone. Mm -hmm. And once you've learned that, I think you've gained their attention. Yeah, I agree. So, yeah. And I feel like you have such a, like, subtle sense of humor. If people aren't paying attention, they might not catch your jokes, but when they do, they die. <laughs> yeah, I have a very dry sense of humor, and I talk about anal, and who doesn't love the conversation about anal, so... He's bottom. Yes. <laughs> Thanks for... <laughs> we okay. just went on this rant about her being a top. <laughs> going back to that work. Okay. She's now. <laughs> Messy, I swear. So Drag Race is on everybody's mind all day, every day, even though we finally finished the current season. God, thank God. But Jesus it's, it's going to start again very soon. Oh, Do you ever see yourself or your style drag on that show? Um, sure, I guess. I think it would definitely increase, you know, my career and my vision and the things that I want to do for not just myself but for the community um you know but those things aren't really up to me um but a couple of years ago if you would have asked me yes I would have probably said no that my drag wasn't a good fit but I think over the past few seasons we've seen drag evolve maybe just in a very small slight way with 
a few number of queens, but um, you know, um, the Nina Bonina Browns, the Sasha Valores, the um, Aquarias, the Evie Oddleys, um, we've kind of seen a a desire for some alternative queens, which is what drag is. Drag is alternative, it's punk rock, and I think, you know, the audience, the viewer is kind of craving that a little bit, which is why those queens tend to do well, mm-hmm. because, you know, we want to give a big fuck you to pop culture and what pretty is. <laughs> well, also, you bring a different perspective too with your background, like Mercedes and Mon Diamond. <laughs> you also come from a Muslim family. Apollos. How did that affect you in terms of becoming a drag queen or just being a queer person? Was there any like resistance with that? Within your family? Well, like, I couldn't be fasting all day from Ramadan and then go to a gig. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I'm just kidding. That was not. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, what? I I have not been fasting since I was, you know, a teenager. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, I don't know. I mean, I I grew up kind of religious without being religious myself. So I kind of always knew that there'd be, like, an out. Like, Mm -hmm. a way for me to do my own thing. Mm -hmm. Um... But, yeah, I don't know that I'd have, like, the blessings from my family, but sometimes you get blessings from other family Quirky. that you didn't ask for, and, and that'll carry you through. So, um, so that's all that matters. Sorry, I'm making a lot of noise with all the toys You're around fine. right now. But. <laughs> there are, all, are a lot of toys around. Yeah, there's a lot of shit around. Batteries and <laughs> We are actually in Manhattan for once. I know, it's a weird We, we went from Vicky's to Midtown. We can travel, apparently. <laughs> um, we're going to take a little break. Okay. Okay. I know. Wig. I feel that already. Wig. Okay. Wig, did you just say wig? We're back. Woo! <laughs> I can't with you. <laughs> I don't know what's happening right now. Rafi's trying to find some Wi-Fi. Oh, is, is that what you're doing? Yeah. You up? You up? You up? <laughs> yeah. So I talked about it in the second episode. Straight Acting is one of my favorite drag shows in New York City. You happen to be the producer of it. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us about it? How to come about? What is straight it? acting mm-hmm. happened because a producer, not a producer, a bar manager at TNT. Oh, at this and R.I.P. That, R.I.P. P.N.P. Um, <laughs> had asked me to produce a party there and I knew exactly what I wanted to do because it's been in the back of my mind was to take my drag which at that time was very androgynous it was very gender fuck it was very mm-hmm. like unpolished and that's exactly the kind of market that I was aiming for was for all those you know faggy circuit boys who just wanted to put on a look was for them to have an outlet that wasn't you know a horse meat disco mm-hmm. or uh, um, a brute or whatever mm-hmm. <clears throat> But to be around other queens and other femme people and and to kind of perpetuate uh, femininity and sexuality in the same uh, context. Um, and so I would book other queens who were either bearded or gender non-conforming or drag kings um, or burlesque performers to kind of... You know, because there were so many drag shows going on. So I kind of wanted our drag show to be a little different and kind of have the focus of it be about 
gender expression and breaking down gender norms and things like that. And, um, and it's been featured in the Huffington Post and Paper Magazine and all types of publications. And it's won a Glam Award and a Brooklyn Nightlife Award. Um, I've had Brooklyn legends, I've had Manhattan legends, I've had Drag Race legends, Grace Our Stage, uh, people from uh, Vienna and London and Canada have come through and um, done shows, so it's a show for everybody now. And then it's now at Metropolitan. It's at Metropolitan. Mm -hmm. Every third Thursday? It's every first Thursday. First Thursday. So the next one will be July 5th. Well, talking about straight acting, you're... Besides being a performer, you're also a promoter. Mm -hmm. What's the difference between pr being a promoter versus just being a performer? I feel like promoting is so much more work, and it seems a lot more stressful to me. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, being a producer does a lot of work. Like, right now, I'm in the works of producing a West Coast uh, drag brunch, and I will not even be at the first one because it is... <laughs> happening during New York City Pride oh. and I'll be out of town but it will be a Reefy Royalty Presents brunch. Okay. Is it uh, a straight acting? No, it's oh, okay. just another drag brunch in, a, in, a, in Santa Barbara. What? That I'm currently working on. That's amazing. Um, but you know, now it's like, you know, like we've locked in a DJ but now we, we just realize that the space doesn't have the equipment for a DJ so now we need to figure out if we're gonna like rent that or buy it or whatever. It's also about like booking queens who live an hour and a half away from Santa Barbara who are willing to drive or, you know, do that and collecting W9s and all of that stuff. So it's a lot of work being a producer. I much prefer to just go in and do a number for the girls and leave. Yeah, same. <laughs> but producing is really magical because you do create your own atmosphere. You create your own vibe. You book your talent. You book your music. You, you book your space and you create... A space for people that's reflective of your imagination or your or your vibes or your thoughts or whatever mm -hmm. so yeah how do you get people to, to your shows I feel like that's something everyone suffers with uh, on Grindr <laughs> do you really promote on Grindr no <laughs> some people do so I, I'd support it <laughs> I mean I just pick the right people who I know are good at social media or who I think are gonna bring people in I have a, a pretty decent following so I I make sure to always promote on those outlets. Um, sometimes I, I team up with people like Gay Letter or, you know, some publication that promotes for me as well. Um, but just word of mouth, making sure that your lineup is lit so that people are excited. Girls which, yeah. What was that story? I don't know what Queen was telling me about it, where um, you used to go to, like, TNT to, like, put up your posters. Oh, Thorgy was Thorgy, telling me. Yeah. Thorgy, yeah. Like, you used to go to TNT and, like, put up physical posters to yeah. get people. I feel like that's something that makes you stand out because yeah, not Thor everyone would do that. Thorgy was always like, you know, she she's just told me recently, she was, you know, one of the things that I liked about what you did was that you came to the bars physically with tape and your posters that you printed out. I would print out 8x10s or like 10x11s from Staples, paid from out of my own pocket and would hang the posters up for straight acting and I would hang them up in the bathroom and the front entrance by the stage, on the DJ booth, wherever people can see them. Um, because we always had really fun flyers, you know, whether it was images we found from Tumblr or photo shoots that we designed, or now Avery draws them, he hand draws them. Um, so I would go and do that myself, which now Metropolitan is 
you know, they have their shit together, so they have someone who does that. <laughs> you know, they have someone who hangs them all up for you, which is, you know, it feels luxurious when you're coming from hanging them up on yourself. You know, because sometimes I would go rain or shine and just hang them up, hang them up myself. Um, but now, you know, she's in the big leagues, so someone else hangs them mm-hmm. up. I got people to do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you come, like, a very long way. What has been, like, some of the most difficult parts of, like, doing drag or doing, working in nightlife, being a promoter? Um, I don't know. I feel like gaining respect and a uh, reputation for what you do. If that, if that answers your question at all. Yeah, no. Um, you can rephrase it if you want. Um, yeah, I just worked hard in the industry as a go-go boy, as a burlesque performer, as a producer as a fixture, as a performer, blah, 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 um, uh, as a model. Yeah. Um, so I've created a world for myself that, that I can now pay my bills and um, make sure that the people I hire can pay their bills. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I try to pay people what they deserve, what they ask for, when I can. Um, which isn't is always easy because, you know, we live in a city where the weather has changed and that can change people's moods and people's incomes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I just, I just like what I do. And I think that's important. You just have to like what you do. Mm-hmm. And it shows. So. But what's like the, I don't want to say like peak of your career, but like what was like the best moment so far? Um I feel like there's so many. Yeah, you know, and I think back about them. I think I'm still somehow one of the more underrated New York City queens Mm -hmm. or the most overlooked New York City queens. Mm -hmm. I think I'm still in that category, despite having a large following on Instagram. But when it comes to people's bookings or projects or things like that, I think people Mm -hmm. always kind of exclude me from the equation. And I don't know if it's because I'm... uh, Who knows? I don't know why people do the Uh things they do. But... um, but looking back at it, I've done some really, some really cool things. Like you know, for instance, I mentioned the Life Ball. Mm-hmm. I've been in Bogotá. I've been flown all over the world. You know, I've been flown to Milan, to uh, Canada, Miami. You know, wherever to do what I do, and so those things are kind of what I wanted to be doing years ago when I still had that makeup job. I was like, oh, I just want a job where I can cover the world. And do what I do, and I'm in a place now where I can do that. Um, you know, I've just recently done a Cosmo Queens, which, you know, it's, it's not a big deal, but it's a big deal, I guess, if you like makeup and drag. Um, it was a big deal. <laughs> I'll make a lot, uh, Cosmo Queens video. But your no your video is one of the few videos that got like all around like positive reviews, yeah, which I, I feel like is shocking. I don't shocking. ever read comments, but I read some of the comments. Yeah, they were all positive. Most of them were pretty good. Um, so. Yeah, they couldn't be me online. Yeah. I, I remember some people's comments, but I'm glad you got good reception. Yeah. yeah. It, that's hard to do. I feel like you're very much an Insta queen. You know, but it's also, I mean, I'm great at Instagram, but I also, you are. but I'm also good as a producer and performing mm-hmm. and being on the mic. So I think I've, I've earned. She's a jack of all trades. I've earned my title as like a well-rounded. Mm-hmm. Performer. performer and i'm not trying to toot my own horn but i'm tooting no do that's, it well that's, that's why we that's have you on this, here <laughs> for, yeah <laughs> to go on a little bit of a different note 
Have you ever had a crazy moment in drag or in nightlife that you're like only in New York City would this happen? No. Uh, <laughs> I know you have. There has to be something. I mean, I don't know. The thing is, I've been doing this for, you know, even, I mean, I count all the years that I was going to Suzanne parties dressed up before I was even working them. So I've been doing this for like a decade, over a decade. So I feel like I've seen a lot of shit. You know, I would go to Greenhouse, uh, which is one of Suzanne's uh, parties from the like mid 2000s or whatever. I think it started in like 2000, 2007, maybe 2008. I can't remember. But um, so I would always go to those parties because I live in Jersey, Jersey City. So I was always super close. Um, so I was coming out to Escalita and Suzanne parties and, you know, so I've been around for a while. So I don't know. I feel like maybe I'm jaded and, and I don't know when something is crazy out of the ordinary uh-huh. um, because it just, it just feels like another day. <laughs> um, you know, I've hooked up in drag. That was kind of bizarre because, you know, the guy was like, I don't know. I guess I'm just not used to being hit on in drag. You know? I feel like my drag is kind of like a bit boyish or something so uh-huh. i don't know that but you're so flirty in dragon i'm all super flirty and <laughs> if you're hot you might get some so whatever work <laughs> um yeah i don't know that i've experienced any oh my god okay so there was one time at the stonewall i was doing a show there i think logan was doing it Logan Hardcore? Yeah. I think I was go-go dancing at this day. And it was um, three queens. I think I was hired to go-go dance. And this drunk man. So if you've ever been to the Stonewall, uh, the second floor is where the shows are. And there's a door that leads to the dressing room from the hallway. Yes. So if you're walking, oh, if, okay. you're a, if you're just a, um, a patron and you're coming to, to watch the shows, you have to pass that door to get to the dressing room. Um, and we were out there and one day this man, while the Queens were on stage, walked out of the door. So the one, the one door leads to the hallway and the other door leads to the stage. So he came out on a stage exit. So he had to be seen. So we like, we're like, oh my God, that man was back there. Maybe he was lost, but he was very clearly wasted. And so we all ran back there to check our stuff was still there. And he had pooped on the, on the floor in the dressing room. Oh my God. Yeah, he like pooped on the floor in the dressing room. There's no toilet back there. And we were all like gag. He like just fully pulled on his pants and shitted in the dressing room. So we all got our bags because we didn't want it to smell like poop. Um, but that was kind of a, a crazy moment. I was like, oh yeah, wow, this man, this like random person just went back there and, and shat in, in our dressing room. So. Is that dressing room also close to the bathroom? Cause yeah, it is. It's yep. right next. To yeah, it's like, it's right like next door to it. <laughs> but there was no toilet. It was like a hardwood. <laughs> there was a hardwood floor that he clearly took a shit on. I love that for him. Yeah. <laughs> you know, listen. Bless his heart. He might have been looking for hours for in the same room, and was like, you know, I gotta go. And he went. Sometimes you just get the urge, and you just have to go. So that yeah. poor man. <laughs> So that's one of the crazier stories. That's definitely crazy. So I see you a lot, obviously. I help you out when I can. And I see lots of Alanis going on, sometimes a little bit of Lil' Kim. You never (laughs) know what you're going to get. 
yeah what are your favorite like songs to do and like style not style but like performance influences as far as singers and like tracks to go to um i like any entertainer who has ever worn a bang ever in history so bangs 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 bangs. (laughs) um whether it's a woman from the incredibles or or Miss Elastic. Yeah. Or Elastic oh, Girl. oh, her, yeah. yeah. Or, uh, um, Nev um, Campbell. Nev Campbell has sported a bang. <laughs> Little Kim has sported a bang. Um, Anna Wintour, oh, uh, the, uh, Uma Thurman character in Pulp Fiction. Oh, yeah, that's uh-huh. true. Love me some bangs. Um, also, anything sad, any, you know, we're all suffering from sad stuff. And I'm not a dancer, and nor do I need, nor do I need a director to include dancing for it to be mm-hmm. good. I just need you to be good at what you do. Yeah. Um, so anything sad. Um, I love me some Alana, some Fiona, some PJ Harvey, some Bjork, some uh, Shirley Bassey is one of my favorites. Um, Speaking of Shirley Bassey, like one of your most iconic performances was definitely Bushwig, your Bushwig number, uh-huh. doing the Cinderella reveal to Shirley Bassey like yeah. what was the thinking behind it because it, it really took everyone out like no one was expecting it coming yeah. from you yeah that was my first bush wig that I you know it was my you know I had shaved my mustache was gone um I remember your mustache actually yeah and you know all the bush wigs prior the numbers had always been weird and conceptual or sexy mm-hmm. you know I had done uh, I am in my who am I or the knife or um, Decepticon. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are some of the artists that I had covered in Bushwigs prior. Um, and so this was my fourth time performing a Bushwig, I think. Um, and I wanted to do something different for me and to prove myself as an artist and a queen because, you know, I kept being told that the drag that I was doing wasn't really drag and mm-hmm. I was being excluded from certain projects because my drag was new. Um, or I was just new on the scene, but I'd been doing it for like 10 years. Um, so it was my, like, kind of like a fuck you to people's idea of what drag is or what my drag is. But I did it because I was like, look, I can do this, but it's not about what you think I can and can't do. It's about what I want to do. And I really loved that song and I wanted to do it. So I did it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was that. I, I loved when you did it at Straight Acting and you had the Box of Life cereal. Yes. Yes, that... I'm, that gave me life. That was everything. Yeah, I did it at I did it at Night Count, and then I did it at Straight Acting as a funny haha with uh, the life cereal, so which good. is a really nasty cereal because there's not yeah. much flavor to yeah. it. But, but you know, for the number, I was committed. So <laughs> I can't. Yeah. Um, going into that, who are some of your favorite performers currently in the scene? In New York City, we've got Apathy Angel, who's an incredible burlesque performer. She's a legend. We got Darlinda, just Darlinda, also a burlesque legend. Um, Charlene is incredible to watch. She's someone who really loves her material and mm-hmm. connects to every song, whether it's, um, you know, Miley Cyrus or, uh, Shania Twain or Reba McIntyre, whoever you want her to do, she's going to do it. Um, she was recently featured in, in the HBO movie, which is why I was late to record this podcast because I was watching the screening. Ad. You were watching Charlene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With so Charlene. We, we, with we Charlene. Charlene. Yeah. We support that. So you should go and if you have HBO and you like drag, not just drag race, but if you enjoy actual drag and the full spectrum of it, then you should definitely watch Wig because um, it features the history of a lot of drag queens. 
Uh, but there are some Drag Race favorites in it. Mm. Um, Jasmine Rice is one of my good friends who's also an incredible performer, talented uh, opera singer and seamstress. Grace Towers of San Francisco is really great. Um, who else do I love? Um, there's a lot of great... Sookie. Um, Sterling is the sister of mine. She's great. Uh, Mary Cherry... Um, Untitled, a legend. Untitled Queen, Lucy Balls, Amber Alert. Um, those are just some of my favorites. Patty Spliff. I love Patty. Um, those are some of my favorite girls. There's a lot. I have a lot of favorite yeah. girls. Momo Shade's great. Um, oh yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of great girls. Um, Sasha Valor is obviously an incredible New York City based performer. Um, and how did you meet? Because you guys have, like, an interesting story with that. I met Sasha uh, kind of, I mean, she used to do Bizarre, and I met her Bushwig uh, one year when I did Diego Montoya's number, when I wore the Diego Montoya dress. And I remember meeting Sasha that day for the first time, and she came up to me and she goes, that dress is amazing. Who made it? I said, Diego Montoya. Dun, dun, and I was dun. one of the first queens that Diego ever dressed. Um, that's from his mouth. You know, he's like, you're the first queen I ever dressed. And uh, and then I remember when Sasha had the premiere of season nine, uh, she wore Diego, and I, and it kicked in like my brain. I was like, oh, she asked me years ago when I did. That. So I guess she's held it in her mind all this time, you know, that she wanted to work with him, and now they've created beautiful work together. Yeah. Um, and then I hired Sasha to do straight acting for me in the June before she left for taping for her seasons. I had no idea she was on. I had no idea she had even any interest in applying because. <laughs> You know, she kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah. You know, she was like not a super uh, popular Brooklyn queen. You know, she kind of had her monthly show of Bizarre. I, and I had seen it and I thought she was great. So I wanted to book her. So I booked her. Um, and then she booked me for nightgowns that August, I think, or September. But August or September had rolled around and I hadn't heard from her. I'm like, hey, girl, I haven't seen any flyers. I haven't, like, heard anything. <laughs> invite, and the show is, like, in a few days. Is it still happening? No response. And then I found out that she was on Drag Race, like, shortly after. I was like, oh, well, that makes sense. <laughs> and then I, so I did, I'm happy to have done at least one one nightgown at Bazaar mm-hmm. in its old home. Mm-hmm. And then I've done it twice at uh, National Sawdust. Mm-hmm. And in my lineup, it was, like, me, um... Scarlet Envy, I think Untitled. Um, I forgot who else was in my maybe Madeline Hatter, I think, was in my lineup. It was a cute lineup. Well, you yeah. and Scarlet are good Judy's. You have yeah, any Scarlet's good a good Judy of mine. Scarlet booked me for her night at TNT that used to be called Truth or Bear. Oh. And she used to invite a different queen. I think it was a weekly show, and she would um maybe it was weekly or monthly, I can't remember, but she would invite a different queen and she would ask some questions and if she, you know, didn't want to answer, then you have to take an article of clothing off. And the rumor <laughs> was, you know, because Reefy was known as the nice queen in Brooklyn. So she, her logic was, she was like, Reefy was the nice queen, but also the naked queen. So she was like, well, none of my inner trainers want to take their clothes off. They're all going to be bitches. And I need somebody to take their clothes off. And she knew that I was nice and not going to be shady. So I got full ass naked, like dick out and everything. So, <laughs> but I was still a little shady. Oh. <laughs> but but I took my dick out. So she was happy. Yeah. <laughs> and I booked Scarlet random gigs. You know, my friend was working at Cronut, like uh-huh. the donut 
girls not play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they were like throwing a party for their manager or something. And they were like, Do you have a queen in mind? And I knew at that time Scarlett was like pretty and like passing and blah, blah, blah. So yeah. I was like, All right, let me like recommend Scarlett because she's a good performer and she's going to give them what they want. So for Kronat. For Kronat. <laughs> and she, they give to her, like, I think it was like, I think it paid like a hundred bucks plus a Kronat gift card or something. What? So. I want that kind of gig. Yeah, what yeah. the hell? <laughs> Why can't all the gigs be like that? Speaking of Cronut, do you have any upcoming gigs like Klarna that you need Klarna. to plug in for Easy Well, that is not a gig, but uh, <laughs> shop like a queen. <laughs> Smooth. Um, yeah, I'll be at $3 Bill Saturday of New York City Pride Weekend for Barba. They're uh, an Australian-based party that's coming to $3 Bill for the night. You can go on my Instagram and look for them. What um, is your Instagram? Reefy, that is R as in Rachel, I as in intelligence, <laughs> F as in Frank, Y as in Yolanda. <laughs> 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 underscore royalty. So that is Reefy, R-I-F-Y, underscore royalty. Don't put two Fs or two Ys. Two, it's literally four letters and the word royalty. Reefy, underscore royalty. And what's your Venmo? And it is at Reefy R. Tip this bitch. Tip this bitch. So you can find me at Barba at three dollar bill Saturday of Pride weekend. Um, and what's your only plan? You yes. can catch me at the vault for my new night femmes with Sookie Sterling. Yay! On, such a good party on July fifth. Um, and straight acting is July fourth at Metro. So it is going to be American themed. Uh, very patriotic. <laughs> And yeah, so just follow me. If you follow me on Instagram, I don't want to hear any. Where are you gonna be in my city when I post that I'm gonna be in your city? So that happens to you a lot. I feel like. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like I'll literally be like, I'm gonna be in Chicago in two weeks, and like I'll put it all over my Instagram, my socials. When are you coming to Chicago? Well, bitch, do you follow me or not? <laughs> I feel like if you're someone's mega fan, you kind of check on them every day. Well, if like your post is like the first one that comes up, like yeah. you should be keeping up. Yeah, if I'm a fan of somebody, I always go to, I low-key stalk their Instagram. Yeah, yeah. and you have a really good Instagram. And I do have a really quality content for yeah, you. Yeah, a lot sure. of nudity. But <laughs> nudity and gowns. Nudity and gowns is really your Instagram. We stand. Mm-hmm. We stand. Thank you so much for joining us. Yay. Thank you for having me. Of course, love. Yay. We appreciate it. You can go to bed now. <laughs> I think we can all go I'm to bed very tonight. tired. We're it's, all tired. It's, this is a late recording tonight. Happy Pride, Happy everyone. Pride. Oh, yeah. This is our pre-Pride. I, I guess so. Oh, well, yeah. Woo. woo. <laughs> um, I'm Mart here. And I'm C. Tepper. And this was Wigging Out. Bye. Bye. <laughs>so I'm C Tepper. You can follow me at, at C T E P P E R on Instagram. And you can also check out my book, the state of drag available on Amazon only for 99 cents and all proceeds go to charity. Ooh, I love that. You can follow me on Instagram at drag the martyr. And if you have any thoughts, comments, or dick pics, you can send them at drag the martyr at gmail.com. Artwork for wigging out came from glitter baby online. You can find them on Instagram at glitter baby online. Thank you.